Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Hello, and thank you for joining me for this episode of Health Mystery Solved. I am so excited to be doing another Ask Ina episode, and today I will be answering all of your burning questions about Hashimoto's. Gosh, it's one of my favorite topics, and I could talk about this for hours because as many of you know, I have Hashimoto's, so I have tons of personal experience with it. And of course, thyroid issues and Hashimoto's is one of my specialties in the practice, so I'm really in the trenches with it. I posted on my Instagram at Ina Toppler last week that I'll be doing this show, and I got a ton of questions. I was actually planning on sending an email as well to get more questions, but there were so many on Instagram, I actually couldn't even fit it into one episode. I love how excited you guys are to know more about this, and with so many questions, this is actually going to be a two-part episode. I'm answering half of them today and the other half next week. I also wanted to let you know about an exciting giveaway that we're doing this week. It starts today, July 16th, and will be active for one week until midnight on July 22nd. We are giving away $100 worth of supplements, and this time it's not a specific supplement bundle, but actually any supplements of your choice on our practice website, Complete Nutrition and Wellness. Since supplements are so individual, and I always talk about that there's no one-size-fits-all approach, I wanted the winner to be able to choose whatever they needed. So there's two simple steps so that you can enter the giveaway. First, if you can please rate and review the podcast, and you could do that on iTunes, all you have to do is just click right on the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone where you listen, go to Health Mystery Self Podcast, scroll down to where it says write a review, and then click on the stars and write a review. You can also use the link that I provided in the show notes under this episode if you're listening on your computer, and you can go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes right on your computer, all of the instructions will be in there. After you write the review, please head over to Instagram and follow me at Ina Toppler if you aren't already. And there you can either send me a DM that you wrote the review and a name that you used, or you can comment under the post that I just did on Instagram about the giveaway that you did it and the name that you used. It does take a day or two for the review to show up on iTunes after you write it, um, but you could message me anytime. And that's it. You'll be entered. I will be pulling a name on the 23rd and I will announce the winner on Instagram. And of course, we'll contact you personally as well. Okay, now on to your Hashimoto's questions. Since I know that not everyone is on the same part in their journey, some of you have been dealing with this for a while, and for some, this may be a new diagnosis, I wanna first just make sure that everyone's on the same page and has an understanding about Hashimoto's, how we look at it from a functional point of view, and how this is quite different, and in my opinion, and of course the opinion of a lot of my colleagues, a lot more effective than a more conventional way of looking at it. I'm sure that you all know Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease where your body attacks your own thyroid and it thinks that the thyroid is a foe and not a friend. 
The issue here is that when the immune system attacks the thyroid, it creates a lot of inflammation in the thyroid. You know, think of someone getting punched over and over again in the same place. And this will in time destroy the thyroid and can cause thyroid to function suboptimally and produce less hormone. And that's how it becomes hypoactive. While there's a few reasons for hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's is definitely one of the big ones. In order to truly understand Hashimoto's though, I think it's important to first understand autoimmunity in general and the things that drive it. And this is going to help answer a lot of your questions. Autoimmunity is when our body attacks our own organs or tissues. We have lots and lots of different types of autoimmune disease. Hashimoto's is just one of them. A few others, just to give you examples, would be things like rheumatoid arthritis, which is when the body attacks your own joints, MS, which is when the body attacks the myelin sheath, and lupus, which is when the body attacks our connective tissue. But what's important to remember here is that the tissue that is being attacked is not actually at fault. So in the case of Hashimoto's, it's not the thyroid's fault that it's being attacked, just like it's not the brain's fault that's being attacked in MS or the joint's fault that they're being attacked in arthritis. The issue is that the immune system got confused and lost track of what's good and what's bad. And so the attack on your own tissue starts because the immune system thinks that your own tissue is actually a foreign invader. Now, conventionally, the typical treatment for autoimmunity is just to suppress the immune system because the thought is, if the immune system is overacting, then let's bring it down so it can't overreact. Sort of makes sense, right? But on the other hand, we kind of need our immune system. So we need to fight our daily battles with infections and the different things that we come in contact with, and just suppressing it is not really going to be effective. Uh, additionally, in the case of Hashimoto's, oftentimes, and this happened to me personally, a lot of doctors will say, well, you have it, your thyroid may be okay, we'll just wait and see until your thyroid eventually gets destroyed, then we'll support it. Or they may say, you know what, your thyroid already is not okay, let's put you on medication. But a lot of times, they're not doing anything to actually fix the imbalance in the immune system itself. Now, in the more integrative approach, we actually want to figure out why the immune system got confused in the first place and address each one of those things to basically then unconfuse it. Now, of course, this process isn't super simple, but it's also not that complicated. In a more functional approach, our goal is to always figure out why things are happening so that we can get to the bottom of it and fix it. And the same goes for autoimmunity. In order to get to the root of Hashimoto's, and really to be honest, this is not just Hashimoto's, but really for any autoimmune disease, we have to see what got the immune system confused in the first place. I call this looking at immune triggers, and it's been shown that there are four main triggers that could get the immune system in a tizzy. These are foods, infections, toxins, and stress. So we need to make sure that our immune system is not triggered by the foods we're eating, the infections we may have, the toxins we may be holding onto, and the stressors that we're exposed to. And stress can be not just emotional, but physical too. So it kind of could be a double whammy where stress being something emotional, but then also coming from an actual infection or a toxin in addition to what's going on. Now that you have this foundation, I'm hoping you are already able to see the interrelationships between what goes on with the rest of the body and Hashimoto's. And this leads me to my first question, 
which is what is the relationship between heavy metals and the root cause of Hashimoto's. And so in this case, this is really looking at the toxin part of the immune trigger. Heavy metals, as much as some people may say are fine and safe, they're not. Heavy metals are things like aluminum, mercury, arsenic, lead, and they really can do a number on our system. And ideally, we don't want to have them in our bodies. Of course, some people are going to have some. And depending on how well we detoxify, some people can deal with a little bit of metals and not be affected, whereas others may have just a smidge of a metal and feel really bad. But the bigger picture here is that Because heavy metals are considered toxins and toxins is an immune trigger, if you have a lot of heavy metals, especially mercury, because mercury has a special affinity to thyroid, that can trigger the immune system to create an attack. Another thing is copper. Now, copper is not considered a heavy metal. However, if copper becomes too high, which often can happen with a zinc deficiency, or if someone has a hormonal imbalance or is on birth control pills or has had history of being on birth control pills, when copper gets too high, it almost acts like a heavy metal in the body because it is a metal in a sense. And that also can cause an immune trigger and thyroid issues. So, In a nutshell, heavy metals can definitely be part of the root because they're considered toxins and toxins are one of the main triggers. And so if you suspect heavy metals, there's a couple of ways that you can look at that. A hair analysis is one way to look at it. A hair analysis isn't going to show both types of mercury, but it's going to look at one type of mercury plus all of the other metals. My other go-to test for metals is the Quicksilver Scientific Test. They do a tri-test for mercury where they look at mercury in the red blood cell and they also look at it in the urine and in the hair. And then they do a full heavy metal panel as well for all of the other metals. So this is a really nice way to see if that's an issue. And if so, there's a ton that we could do to help detoxify metals. This of course is a little bit individual because depending on your detox pathways, how sensitive you are, what types of things you can handle, we may do a little bit more or a little bit less, but typically things like glutathione, binders, and um, certain other detox Detox herbs like milk thistle are often used, but you do want to make sure you work with someone or connect with me so that we can customize something because you don't want to just do a general cleanse. You really want to do something specific to the types of metals that you have and also what you're able to handle. Now, question number two is what is the connection between Hashimoto's and adrenal glands? So one of the other immune triggers is stress. And because the adrenal glands are the glands that deal with stress and produce the hormone cortisol, when our cortisol is off, that is going to affect our stress, which is then going to be an immune trigger and directly affect Hashimoto's or any autoimmunity, really. What happens is that when your cortisol is high, your body really thinks that it's an emergency. And a lot of things just stop working the way that they're supposed to. Because when you are in an emergency state, the most important thing for the body is to survive. 
So things like producing enough thyroid hormone, reproduction, immune system, digestion, all of that goes completely on the back burner. And so it's really important that we have a balanced cortisol. And it's not so much about overall high or overall low, but we want to make sure that it's balanced throughout the day. Ideally, your cortisol should be high in the morning, and then it just slowly go down throughout the day and be nice and low at night, which is going to help you relax and get a good night's sleep. Additionally, cortisol has a relationship with TSH. So when cortisol is off, that can cause TSH to be off and that will directly affect thyroid function. The other thing that I see here is people may have thyroid symptoms and they may complain of fatigue or weight gain or PMS or depression or hair loss or you know dry and brittle hair and nails, which are all thyroid symptoms. But When we test our thyroid, and of course, as you guys know, if you've been listening to the show, we want to look at all of the different thyroid hormones. We'll talk more about this as we go on. But even if we test every single thyroid hormone and we look at all of the optimal ranges, everything might be okay. So in those situations, it is possible that it's the adrenals that are really the culprit and not the thyroid, but because there's that interrelationship, some of those symptoms could be very similar. I hope that makes sense. The next question is, what is the true connection to EBV or Epstein-Barr virus? And a follow-up question on this from another listener was, the medical medium says all kinds of things that are connected to EBV and how EBV attacks the thyroid tissue, therefore creating Hashimoto's. But then there's a lot of scientists that debunk the medical medium and say not to listen to him because it's not based on evidence. What is really going on? This is a great question. I can't tell you how many times a day I hear this. So in this case, when we look at EBV or Epstein-Barr virus, it's an infection. So if we go back to our four main triggers, infection is a big immune trigger. So when you have EBV or really any other virus that could be underlying, that's going to create the immune system to constantly be trying to fight it, which then can often cause it to get into that tizzy and then attack its own organs. So the issue with EBV is really not so much the EBV itself, but it's really any virus that is going to be an immune trigger. There is some research showing that EBV can get into certain organs and it can get into the thyroid, but it can get into other organs too. So I don't know if I would say that it's directly only linked to thyroid, but it could be linked to a lot of other things. What's important to know about EBV is that once you have it, even if it's not active, it's always in your system. And so it can reactivate typically during times of stress or other infections or when there's a lot of toxins around. So we want to be mindful that if we start to feel symptoms that we get tested for EBV and then if it does reactivate, there's a lot of natural things that you can do and there's a lot of protocols that I talk about. Actually, I did two shows with Dr. Kasha Kynes. She is actually one of the country's leading EBV experts. That was episode four and episode 43. So if you miss those and you want to know more about EBV and the whole thyroid connection, listen to those. I think you'll get a lot of information. Now, in terms of medical medium, I do think that he's right about EBV because there is that connection, but he didn't come up with it. We've been talking about the connection between EBV and other viruses in the functional medicine space for years because it's an infection, just like other viruses are, and we know that infections are immune triggers. So in a nutshell, that's the connection. 
The next question was, can you address food sensitivities with Hashimoto's? I cut out gluten and dairy among other foods and now have numerous sensitivities that were never an issue before. This is another great question. And if we go back to our triggers, one of the four triggers for immune system is food. And so oftentimes we may not be sensitive to a food, but food sensitivities are not typically things we're born with. They get developed over time. So I always recommend that you get tested to see what your sensitivities are. And there's better tests out there that look at more comprehensive antibodies and look at genetics versus just a very general antibody test. But also we wanna look at the root cause of where these sensitivities come from. And I think this is where sometimes people go wrong and they eliminate certain foods and then they keep eliminating more and more. But if you're not looking at the reason why those sensitivities started in the first place, it's just going to create more. And oftentimes, if there's inflammation in the body, you're more prone to sensitivities. So typically, if you have gut issues and if you have any type of dysbiosis or an overgrowth of bacteria or parasites or yeast, they're going to create a lot of inflammation in your intestines. That can create leaky gut. And then if you're not digesting your food well, because maybe you're missing your enzymes or you don't have enough stomach acid or your bile is off, the food's going to seep through. And then your body's going to react to that food because that food doesn't belong in the bloodstream. So when you're looking at food sensitivities, and you know, especially when dealing with Hashimoto's and autoimmunity, Yes, you want to make sure that you're taking them out, but you also want to look at the gut because that's where they came from. And so typically there's two immune triggers with that. It's going to be the food immune trigger, but also the infection immune trigger. And in this case, typically the infection could be some type of a bacteria, a parasite, or perhaps something fungal like a yeast. And if you want to know more about this, I actually have a very in-depth episode on food sensitivities and how to really get to the root of them and fix them from the inside out. And that was episode number 60. So if you missed that, definitely check that out. The next question was, Hashimoto's tends to run in families, especially daughters and females. Is there anything I can do to keep my daughters from getting it down the line? Love this question. And yes, absolutely. I think that prevention really is key when we're dealing with any disease, especially autoimmunity. I think that addressing the four main triggers that we talked about, so the food, the stress, the infection, and the toxins, is going to be key to make sure that we stay on top of everything so that autoimmunity doesn't develop. What I always recommend is that if someone has an autoimmune disease, there's typically a food connection. So you want to get tested for food sensitivities, but you also want to look at genetics. There is such a big connection between gluten and all types of autoimmunity, not just Hashimoto's. And the DQ2 and DQ8 genes show that genetically, if you have those, you're actually not meant to process gluten. And if you're not meant to process gluten, you'll deal with it for a while, maybe 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, but eventually your body can snap and just say, I'm not doing it anymore. And an autoimmune can be triggered that way. So if you have an autoimmune disease and you have children and you want to make sure that you're trying to do everything you can to prevent it, I would make sure that you test them for food sensitivities and even more importantly, test them to see if they have any of the DQ2 or DQ8 parts of the gene. Because if so, 
you would want to take gluten out and you would want to do it as early as possible. So you don't want to wait until they develop symptoms. You know, if they're five years old or 10 years old, test them and start then versus dealing with it when they're 25 or 30, at which point things could have already developed. You also want to make sure that you're keeping an eye on their gut health. I think that these days children are prescribed antibiotics left and right. And even though we're all a little bit more conscious about it and we know that we shouldn't overuse them, it still happens. You know, doctors prescribe that like candy. And so when we overuse antibiotics, and in some situations it may not even be overuse, it could just be once or twice when you really need it, but that can offset the microbiome. And we know that gut infections are such big triggers. And if the microbiome is off, then that leads to dysbiosis, that leads to food sensitivities. And then, you know, there's that microbial connection and that food connection that I just talked about in the last question. So you want to make sure that you have your kids on good probiotics and, you know, maybe once every so often do a stool test, you know, see what the microbiome looks like and really keep an eye on that. We want to also keep an eye on toxins and the cleaner your home is in terms of your cleaning products, the skincare products that you use, you know, educate your kids about these things so that they're not exposed to as many chemicals. And of course we can't live in a bubble. I totally get that. And, you know, we have to do what we can, but the cleaner the home is and the cleaner the products that you use, the less toxins that they're going to have. And I also think doing a detox is great. Obviously, depending on the age of your child, you know, you can't do anything harsh. But even if we say, okay, for a week, let's all eat more vegetables or let's start drinking water with lemon. You know, it could be simple things that kids can do at any age and that's going to promote detox. And then lastly, but very, very importantly, is the stress component, which is our other immune trigger. And gosh, I feel like kids are so overscheduled these days and there's so much going on. And, you know, kids have anxiety at a younger and younger age. So I think that anything that we can do to help our children manage stress better, understand stress, give them techniques that they can use. Um, you know, there's tons of different apps now for kids for meditation, for breathing. There's a lot of different books out there. There's actually one I really like for little kids. It's by Lori Light and it's a caterpillar book and it's, um, basically talks about, you know, how to relax your body and, you know, relax like your arms and your legs and your torso and the kids really like it. So that's a good uh, source. I know that uh, my friend, Emily Fletcher from Ziva Meditation, she recently launched a meditation course for kids. So that's another thing to check out, but you know, there's a tons of stuff out there and, you know, anything you could do or encourage them to just relax a little bit, to breathe, to do some of the things that they enjoy because, you know, they're forced to do so many things in school and their extracurricular activities. So really working on stress and helping them to manage stress. And I think the same for you. If you're managing your stress and your kids see that, they're going to model that. And kids also really pick up on our energy. So if we're very wired and stressed, you know, even if they're not, they may pick up on it. So you want to be mindful of that. I hope that makes sense. There are a lot more questions relating to thyroid function in Hashimoto's and also metabolism in Hashimoto's. And I'm working on recording those for you. And I will have all of the detailed answers on part two of Ask Ina, which will air next Thursday. And please don't forget about the giveaway. We're giving away $100 worth of supplements. All you need to do is post a review, follow me on Instagram, and then send me a message on Instagram that you did it and you're going to be entered. In the meantime, 
If there is anyone you know who's struggling with Hashimoto's or thyroid issues and can use this information, please share this episode with them. And be sure you're subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. As always, when it comes to your health issues, please don't give up. The answers are out there and I'm here to try to provide as much as I can. There really is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for joining me today and I will see you next week on Health Mysteries Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.